Welcome to the Mobilized Podcast. We equip Christ followers to boldly and courageously live mobilized in their faith, purpose, and life. Let's join James and Nicole. Hi, friends, and welcome back. We're so excited to be with you again today. We're going to do something a little different today. We are going to um, share our experiences from our recent mission trip to Guatemala. Yay! Yay! Now, please excuse our occasional sniffle or cough or cough sniffle. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to purge thousands of tons of concrete, smoke, and sand from our lungs. (laughs) And sinuses. (laughs) As we rode in open-air pickup trucks and chicken buses, as they call them. Yes, And uh, everyone uses open fires for heating and cooking, uh-huh. so there's smoke in the air. Mm-hmm. I prefer love, but smoke was in the air <laughs> everywhere I look around. It sure was. Now, I appreciate that he's actually saying it is the smoke and the concrete and the dust that's in our lungs and nostrils. Because It also could be that Nicole hugged every single there it is. Guatemalan we met. And there it is. Yes, he says. So we brought home a <laughs> Central American Petri dish. To cultivate here in New York. That so. is so not true. It is the dust. <laughs> it is the concrete. <laughs> and I turn the around. Smoke. Stop hugging those people, Nicole. <laughs> they have their own families. I can't help it. That's the way I show love. You Time a lot and of love. touch. A Time lot and of touch. Love. <laughs> <laughs> I just see people. I want to hug people. But we got to spend nine or ten days. Yes. In yeah. Guatemala, our first time there. Yeah, it was. An incredible experience that has taken a few days. We've actually just been home a few days, but to really process what we saw, what we experienced, um, and and measure it against our faith, our beliefs, and it's been incredible and eye opening for yes. sure. So we started out, um, headed out to Guatemala. We landed in Guatemala City, spent the night there, and the next day started on an eight hour. Eight hour. Yes, you heard right. Eight hour trip into the remote mountains of Guatemala to the town, or I'm sorry, village, to the village of Naba, where the native uh, Mayan people called the Ishils uh, live, right? Yeah. And and, uh, James, so how much did you love that bus ride? (laughs) (laughs) Well, for starters, it's a tricked out school bus that they convert into a big party bus. Um, but again, it's, it's school bus benches. Uh-huh. It's not seats. It's right? two to a seat and it's a, it's a bench. Right. And so there's uh, not a lot of padding. Um, if you're lucky enough to get the seat with the wheel well, right, 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 right. your knees are up in your throat. <laughs> there's no air conditioning. Yes. Huh. No potties. No potties. So, I mean, this isn't like a luxury coach. Right, You right. know, where you, you get a tour and you say, we're going to go see Niagara Falls or we're going to Las Vegas. No, this Which, is it, it the was, real deal. Yeah, it was a perfect start, though, because that's exactly the way the trip was. So this was not one of your um, mission slash vacation <laughs> trips. This was not a... Where it's a missions excursion yes. to the beautiful Riviera. <laughs> right. No, not at all. The way it started, that that's the way it went. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work, which I wouldn't have it any other way. Although James could have changed, tweaked. Let's say tweaked. I was looking for the tourist excursions. 
I thought you were taking us to some Mayan ruins and we were going to paint a church wall and feel good about ourselves. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) But we were literally building churches. Yes, literally. And you did feel yourself, just not good. Everything ached and Mm -hmm. hurt. (laughs) We're still glowing red like lobsters. Yes, from the sun. And that sun is intense down there. Yeah, at 8,000 feet. We're sunscreened the first day, foolishly. That was stupid. So for the rest of the week, I was just peeling layers of my flesh off. (laughs) And depositing them on the Guatemalan ground as we continue to mix concrete and shovel rock. You left a part of yourself there. I left a part of myself there. (laughs) So we're on this bus eight hours into the remote mountains of Guatemala. Uh, Incredible, beautiful, beautiful country. Green. Uh, A lot of people ask, was it mountains? Was it forest? Was it? And I would say, yes, (laughs) that's exactly what it is. It's uh, foresty mountains, (laughs) very lush and green and dense. It's high uh, elevation jungle. Yes, yes. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So we arrive at the um, camp where the missionaries who are on the ground and been on the ground for about over 30 years, I believe, Mm -hmm. um, where they have their uh, property where they run their missions from. Uh, Their names are Mike and Terry McComb. Incredible people. I mean, I just, I have so much respect for them uh, and their calling more than I ever knew. I think uh, I was really young when I started missions trips. And then uh, as we were involved in churches, that wasn't what we did. We didn't do missions trips because we did weekends Mm -hmm. (laughs) at churches. And now going as an adult and seeing the calling on missionaries' lives, I'm just blown away by their yes and their commitment because it's the long, hard work that they do, the yeah. long, hard work, and they have to endure and be steadfast, and they have to know their calling and what God has set them aside to do and then not give up. Yes. Not give up when it gets hard, not give up when it when it's um, disappointing, not give up when you don't see the fruit you want to, just realizing your job is to do what you're called to do, and someone somewhere, if not you, will see the harvest, yeah. <laughs> and that is, um, that is, they give their lives. Yes. They give their lives <clears throat> to this, so that, that was incredible. So we get to the camp, um, beautiful, beautiful acres and acres, correct? Yeah. I forget how many acres they said, um, but it, it was... Uh, very nice. So we didn't have to sleep out under the stars or with the bugs or any of the, the jaguars or vipers and everything else that we Googled are there. Um, beautiful. No heating or cooling inside. So that was interesting in the homes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they said in the village, uh, Nebat, N-E-B-A-J, right? It was the village we were at. Um, <laughs> excuse me. 70% of the villagers use firewood to heat, clean, cook, that's it. Only not electricity. Only source of fuel for their home. Yes, it's their only source of fuel. So um, the fact that we actually <laughs> um, got to enjoy some nice weather during the day of it being warm and cool in the evening was really nice because we didn't deal with the extremes and have to worry about that. Right. But uh, at one of James' um, big sacrifices and really feels like he gave it all up for the cross is um, that you could not flush your toilet paper out there. <laughs> <laughs> don't be embarrassed, James. Don't be embarrassed. That's like another world. Like, I, I was already concerned because I wasn't going to have my Charmin extra ply, <laughs> aloe infused lotion, soft, soft toilet paper. 
I'm thinking, gosh, you know, what, what do missionaries use? They're going to have single ply. <laughs> I mean, this is really going to be sacrificing for the kingdom. <clears throat> but then they say, hey, <laughs> you know, unless you want to clean up a mess in here, um, nothing goes in the toilet. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? What? Not even my wet wipes? And I, I brought a portable bidet? Where does that hook up? I'm like, no, nothing. And you're sharing this, you know, potty with a thousand other people, so... <laughs> Get in line and enjoy. Um, <laughs> so it was something. It was revealing yeah. about the priorities that I've established in yes. my life. And yes. I, I really had to rethink my decisions. <laughs> rethink your priorities in yes. life? Yeah. yeah. So that was that was uh, interesting. But um, so we settled in first day that night. We had kind of a debrief of what the week would look like. <laughs> Basically, we would be going to six different villages in our time there, three of them to help build the churches that they've started, um, in some cases years before. Um, and then three churches we'd go to minister at in the evening. So day one, we get to the first church and um, you're thinking a church, right? So yeah, maybe we might paint, we might clean, we might do some planting. Oh no, this had walls. Brick or um, what do you call those? Uh, cinder block. Yeah, cinder block walls. Kind of. There were yeah, some. That's true. It really was a tarp um, a, a attached to a couple of walls, giving you makeshift covering. Yes. But it, it was a glorified alleyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they brought in some speakers and instruments, and it was a, like a rock gravel floor mm-hmm. and some plastic chairs. <laughs> And not not plastic folding chairs, like, right? <clears throat> like plastic plastic chairs. <laughs> yes. Again, you know, we started with the bus with no padding, and then we continue on with plastic chairs with no padding, yes. um, with four hour church services. Yeah, <laughs> in, so, a, in a language we don't speak. <laughs> in a language you don't speak. Yes. And you've had a, a horrific potty experience before and after. So. <laughs> I mean, you really have to focus on the Lord to sustain you during these times. (laughs) Yes. So you get to this church, you walk in and you think, wow, wow. Immediately you're just humbled, humbled that this is where they meet. This is where they come together to worship Jesus and, and to learn about Jesus. And you think, oh my goodness, we're used to church having lights and haze and carefully choreographed and minute by minute, what's going to happen, a message that's exactly 30 minutes long and giving that's going to take five minutes and worship that's 25. You go through, but this was just a place where they came to worship Jesus no longer, no matter how long it took. Yes. No matter as long as they wanted to stay in worship. Um, so it was an incredible time of listening. Uh, they speak Ishil, which is their Mayan, ancient Mayan language, as well as Spanish. And so the message and, and all the music, all that was both in Spanish and in Ishil. And then it came time um, at the end of the service to pray for them. They knew we came from New York. I love that they never said, said the United States. It was like, they're from New York. <laughs> York. Yes, we were there with a group of about 25 people. Um, so they asked us to come forward and uh, to pray for the people there if they had any prayer requests. And so um, we begin to pray for people, and uh, it's incredible. It's incredible what happens there. See, the Yeshua people, um, they have their ancient religion still, the ancient religion of um, worshiping the feathered serpent. Oh. And on top of that, the um, 
the Spanish came in, the conquistadors, and they established Catholicism. And so they tore down all of their temples to the feathered serpent. And on the foundation, they built Catholic churches. And so a lot of the Ishil people and, and Mayan people all over the region, they still go into these Catholic churches and on the floors, on the foundation that were their temples, worship the feathered serpent. Imagine that. Now, a couple of things on that. I told James, how crazy is it that obviously this is satanic worship and the feathered serpent is obviously represents <laughs> Satan. Um, but how crazy is it that he has them worship himself in his cursed form? Yeah. And we know when sin came in, God's like, okay, no more legs for you. You're going to slither on the ground. And so the God he sets up for them to worship is in his cursed form. And it just shows how deceived he is to think that that is his powerful form when it's actually his cursed form. That just blew my mind when God revealed that to me. Um, So you have uh, their ancient religion, then you have Catholicism. And then about 100 years ago, but really about 40 years ago, uh, you have Christianity into the mix. So then you bring Jesus into it. And the the Yeshua people, they're still, shall we say, confused, right? They basically kind of replace one one God for another is is really what it looked like. It was kind of like a plug-and-play scenario where, you know, when they worship the feathered serpent, and if Mm -hmm. you've, you know researched anything about the Mayan people or watched a documentary, uh, it was heavily into appeasing their God. Right. Um, so if there was a bad, bad drought or the crops weren't growing or there was bad weather or there was disease, they had angered God and they had to do something to get his attention and to beg for forgiveness. So there would be moaning, there would be human sacrifices, <clears throat> they would, you know, thrust their bodies around, there was bloodletting. All of these mm-hmm. kind of horrific things that we say that we've <laughs> grown from and we don't incorporate. But for them, that's the way you relate to your deity. Right. And then Catholicism comes in and has this kind of merged relationship with the, the witch doctors and the, the sorcerers of that religion. And they mm-hmm. kind of found a way to coexist, which is, again, not scriptural. Um, <laughs> so that's what they had for several hundred years. Uh, and so then Christianity comes on, and they, they hear about Jesus, and they say, okay, well, he's my new deity, so mm-hmm. you in the services, we're going to pray. All of a sudden, there was this corporate wailing and crying and swaying, and you see all these professed Christians mm-hmm. trying to appease a vengeful, wrathful deity, um, and it was heartbreaking to Very observe heartbreaking. that. They, yes. they didn't understand the grace and the love that yes. sent Jesus and the forgiveness and freedom they have. Right they still felt oppressed by their deity and they were striving yes. for his approval and forgiveness. Right, right. Um, and for whatever it is they're asking for. Yes. They had to beg and beg and beg. And like James said, you're talking about you know, 100 people just moaning and moaning and crying and swaying, like, please, please. Uh, it was definitely heartbreaking. Now, um, it is uh, mostly illiterate Um People, so they're not opening their Bibles and reading. They're not, uh, you know, digging into the Word of God to find out who Jesus is. So it's up to the missionaries to teach these pastors and pastors to teach people. But because Christianity is so new, I mean, think about forty years, fifty years—that's nothing. That's right. nothing, especially to an illiterate and isolated, isolated. people. 
I mean, uh, it is hours between villages, yes. and most of them walk. Some of them have scooters or motorcycles, right. and you'll see a family of three or four on one motorcycle. Right. But they're 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 an isolated people. Yes. They're not uh, connected, and each tribe of these people have their own unique dialect. Yes. So it's not like one Ishiel slash Mayan language binds them together. Right. They can't communicate with each other. Right. And so Spanish <laughs> has been the uniting language, but so many of them still depend on just the, the oral tradition of the roots passed down through mm-hmm. their their culture. Um, so it's really hard to break through. Right. And so again, Nicole, even starting by talking about the hard work of the missionaries, because there are no shortcuts. No. You know, you think, well, let me read a few books and, you know, I come in with my American education and I'll fix them. Right. Um, but there are no shortcuts for them. They they just have to build relationships. They get kicked out of villages. They come back, they try again, and they keep building bridges to help these people understand who Jesus is to them right. rather than who they have created him to be um, as they've just, again, replaced an, a previous deity with now this new one of Jesus. Right. And they believe in Jesus. They yeah. do. They believe in Jesus. They just don't know how, yes. how to believe in him, what they're supposed to do. What does this even mean? Grace is such an odd concept to them. It's one they can't even really grasp or, or I mean, it's hard for all of us, Yes, but in our, in our country, we're more grace-driven. Yes. So we understand the concept of grace. Even if it's hard to accept, we understand the concept. They don't understand the concept of grace at right. all, at all whatsoever. So you have people who are there worshiping, singing about Jesus, knowing about Jesus, but not knowing Jesus. Right. But they're trying, and, and I believe that there's grace for that too. I believe Jesus was there. So we have the opportunity to pray for them. Obviously, there's the language barrier. But when it comes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, there's no such thing, right? There's no such thing. He works and he moves. And so we begin to go out, lay hands on the people um, and pray for them. God just laid in my heart to pray, open up their minds, open up their hearts to see Mm -hmm. Jesus. And we know in the Middle East that Jesus shows up to people, like shows up up, like reveals himself in dreams and visions. Mm-hmm. And so I begin to pray for them that God, God opened up their hearts and their minds that they have an encounter with Jesus, a real life encounter with Jesus, where they don't just learn about the grace and learn about his love, but actually feel his grace mm-hmm. and feel his love so that they have the concept. Yeah. Um, it was explained to us that they're very black and white, so they don't use a lot of um, imagery or right. uh, like we do. We like to use a lot of... Uh, words that are flowery, yeah, a, lot <laughs> a lot of descriptors, mm-hmm. a lot of adjectives. Well, they don't do that. They're, Analogies l- yes. and stories. That's a foreign yeah. concept for them. They, they don't grasp it. So <clears throat> praying for them that they just have this real life encounter with Jesus. What I didn't expect, or, or I mean, I guess maybe in the back of my mind I did, is that we wouldn't just be there praying that their eyes be open, but we would actually be in a spiritual battle with principalities and powers there yeah. against spirits and strongholds that is over and in these people. Yeah. Um, a lot of them, if somebody's sick in their family, uh, they try all the things. Yep. So they'll go to the priest and have the priest bless them, bless them. 
whoever's sick or bless their life, they want to have a child or whatever's going on in their life, try to bless that. Then they'll go to the witch doctor Mm -hmm. and have the witch doctor do his thing. And then they'll go to Jesus as well. Like, okay, so one of you, let me cover all my bases. I'm hedging all the bets here (laughs) and I'm I'm going to make sure I touch every base. Yes. And, and for them, it, it feels completely normal to do that. Yes. And the religious leaders have found an equilibrium and acceptance of that. Yes. I mean, the priests allow this kind of worship, and they collaborate and communicate with the wish doctors of the the communities and the villages. And it's, again, it's a very perplexing arrangement. Um, But again, it it just shows the lack of true understanding of Mm -hmm. who Jesus is, that he is the one and only true way. They, They really feel like, well, you know, this is... They've created a hybrid, really, yep, yep. This, this this really odd um, that I didn't expect. I, I expected pagans and mm-hmm. Christians, right? Just that speak right. a different language. But it, you couldn't even necessarily <laughs> find a, a a mirror image of an American Christian, right? Anywhere in Guatemala, right? They just didn't exist. Right. They were a, a different breed, different priorities. They see Jesus differently, mm-hmm. and they carry out their Christian life. Air quotes. You you can't see me doing it, right? But whatever <laughs> they consider it, their Christian life, right? In a very different way. Yep, absolutely. So, <clears throat> uh, night one, it's like okay, okay, this is what we're dealing with. Night two is when I really started to see. Uh, the hold that the enemy has, the strongholds in their lives. So it was time to pray again. Um, <clears throat> we were standing at the front of the auditorium or their sanctuary or <laughs> their room. Alley. <laughs> Alley. And, um, and people came forward to be prayed for. So I stepped forward and I put my hand on a lady and start praying. And immediately, immediately, she just starts convulsing. Yeah. Violently. Violently. Like, okay, okay. I immediately know what I'm dealing with. You're dealing with a stronghold, a spirit, in an oppressor mm-hmm. in this woman's life. So I began to pray, but the first thing I said was no, because I wanted that spirit to know who they were dealing with. That, And it wasn't Nicole, <laughs> right? It's Jesus. It also brought to mind the scripture about not fighting with flesh and blood. And we see that very different here in America. Uh, in the U.S., it's like, okay, I'm not going to fight with someone who has different political views or who has different views on homosexuality or on, you know, <clears throat> marriage or gender or any of the above, all the little hot points that we have going on right now. And we think, okay, we're not fighting with them. We're fighting against principalities and powers, right? Well, out there, it's very different because the principality and the power uh, and the oppressor manifests themselves, mm-hmm. makes themselves known. And when I looked at that lady and she is the the oppressor within her, the enemy within her who is like, oh, no, no, I know who, who is here. <laughs> Jesus is in the room, is in the room, and I'm going to fight this. Um, I realized that's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Not once did I look at the lady and think, this is my enemy. Mm-hmm. I looked at that lady and said, she needs freedom. She needs freedom through Jesus. All of a sudden it's like, okay, my battle is not with her. And it's not even my battle. It's the Lord's battle, but the Mm -hmm. battle is with that power. Um, So we prayed over her 
and uh, and with <laughs> with her, let's say mm-hmm. that, right? But over her until she started throwing up and releasing that spirit, releasing from her body. And I thought, you know, that's something we don't see in the U.S. No, right? That's not something we see in um, the churches here in the. United Usually, States. if you throw up in church here, it's because you. You had some bad communion wafers or you snuck some of the goldfish crackers that right. were expired from the kids' ministry. Right. But it's usually not a manifestation of uh, demonic oppression exactly. and um, expulsion, really. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> and it, it was shocking. One of the things that really uh, made a heavy impression on me is um, a, a great point that you made, Nicole, about how you can be possessed or oppressed or you can be holding on to the oppression. Mm-hmm. So it can have you or you can have it. Right. It, it may look the same and very similar, but very two, two different roots and um, kind of power structures where right. one is a victim, the other keeps going to it and is wielding a power, wants the power, seeks it out, continues right. to go back to it. Right. Um, and I think we saw a lot of that. Yes, because we saw they, both. They, they want a connection with Jesus. They would feel freedom in the moment, but then out of desperation, the next time something happens, they're going right back to this pagan religion, to the witch doctor, to the demonic power that they feel like could bring some relief or solution. So they're running to it rather than, again, it's coming and possessing them. Yes. So they continue to let it back in. Uh, And that that was, again, another shocking revelation Mm -hmm. from seeing it firsthand. Seeing it firsthand. Yes, absolutely. The enemy is alive and well. Uh, if you listen to anything I write or read anything, listen to anything I write, listen to anything I say, read anything <laughs> I write, or <laughs> part of any of my studies, if you've been around for any amount of time, you know I say know your God and know your enemy. And I believe that I've been saying that for years for me, for that room hmm. at that time, yeah. for this trip, know your God know your enemy. Because there wasn't an ounce of fear. There wasn't an ounce of fear. There wasn't any hesitation uh, to James' dismay. Um, <laughs> you literally right have people hitting the ground and slithering like yes. serpents yes. in a physically impossible way. Right. Like our bodies don't have mm. propulsive power that way, like, right. a, like an animal. Right. So, I mean, it's like right in front of you, this mm-hmm. supernatural power. Right. And so... I scope out the exits immediately. <laughs> Nicole just like hops on their back and starts declaring the power of Jesus. I'm like, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. Where's security? <laughs> Jesus, we need you. <clears throat> but yeah, this stuff was real. It is real and it is real in our world. And the enemy truly does have, have a stronghold. And I believe Guatemala has a principality that's ruled there for thousands of years yes. as they have worshiped him and allowed him and given him place in that country and the surrounding areas. Um, And Jesus is so needed there. And so we got to pop in for a week, right? Got to pop in for a week. We helped um, build some churches. Like, I mean, James was a concrete beast, yo. Can I say it like that? (laughs) Is that that okay to say it? Uh, He was a concrete beast mixing for hours concrete by hand. And then by bucket, we would carry it to the walls where they would pour it as they're building uh, up the walls or laying foundations. Or It was incredible to be a part of that. But also knowing that these people have been here doing it bucket by bucket or there doing it bucket by bucket for years, for years. So uh, on a, for a, a good um, pay, they earn about $8 a day. 
about $8 a day for a bag of concrete is $12. Yes. So for them to build a church, it takes them years and more money than they'll ever see. So by going on this mission trip, we were able to contribute to buying supplies and not just buying them, but then mixing them and putting them together as they build their church. And it was just a a honoring and humbling thing to see. And when we're talking about that, so we would meet with these pastors um, before we'd start building and it was, they would say, okay, you know, they'd introduce themselves and they'd always thank us. They would say, I can never repay you for what you're doing, which always every time, like (laughs) even now, I feel the burning (laughs) because they can't. And that's what generosity is, right? When when you can't be paid back, when there's no possible way Mm -hmm. for it to be paid back. And the person who's giving understands that and the person who's receiving it understands that. And so we would get together to pray before. And and again, it's English, Spanish, and Ishil. And they would say, okay, let's pray. Oh, that... Oh, my goodness. Even now, it is really hard for me to talk about, so I'll let you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it it almost gave me a sense of when the Scripture talks about in heaven, there'll be every every tongue and every Mm -hmm. nation represented. Yeah. But everyone would just pray in their language at the same time over each other. Right. And there was a power in it, not a, a chaos or a confusion. Um, and again, that's another thing that we would talk about each night is um, the the discerning spirit that God puts inside of us with His Holy Spirit living in us to discern, is this the Holy Spirit moving, manifesting, acting? Is this the enemy? Mm-hmm. And it's the same in prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally, if, if I'm in a room and I hear 25 different languages, I feel lost. I'm like, gee <laughs> yes. whiz, Google Translate, you know, how are you going to make sense of this? You right. know, But in, in those moments, you did feel... God's presence, yeah. power, heavier and weightier yeah. than any word spoken that you didn't understand. Yeah. You felt the heart, you felt the love, you felt the, the compassion and the mm-hmm. submission to, to Jesus. And it, it was incredible. I mean, I'd get chills, you'd, you'd get tears. Yeah. Um, a lot of times you'd be praying with someone in those situations or in a service praying with someone and you'll, you know, we're praying in English. And then you know someone that actually knows one of these other languages uh, that would tell you that someone else is, you know, praying on the other side of them in maybe Sheol or in Spanish, and they're literally saying the, the same thing same you're thing. saying. Yeah. But they don't know English, and right. we don't know their language. But right. the Holy Spirit in right. us is communicating what He wants said, right. what He wants done. Right. We're just being available. Uh, yep. And and that was incredible to see. Again, this is the kind of stuff we read about in the New Testament. Right. You get excited about you you know you spit and holler and preach about <laughs> it on Sundays. Yeah. But we you don't have context for it. Right. The same way they don't have words to describe these kind of ethereal concepts. I don't know if our language can adequately describe without the experiential component seeing God work in a way where the dependence has to be on Him, right. and you can't rely on your power or your linguistic skills. Right. Um, but yeah, that that was a long circle around the, the prayer time. Uh, incredible. Because um, we would do it every time. Yeah. And I think the missionary said, you know, he started to, to the Americans, hey, yeah. let's let's popcorn prayer. You know, he started affectionately calling that because yes, it's yes. just, you just get this picture of the words, you know, just kind of popping around and making their way up to God as he collects them in a bowl. And um, I, I think relishes, you know, in, in our prayers yeah. and our love for him um, is incredible. Yeah. And here <clears throat> or in 
a lot of places when the when someone says let's pray mm-hmm. everybody gets silent <laughs> you bow your head you close your eyes and you listen to the one person praying yeah and you may or may not stand in agreement with them <laughs> agree with an amen or mhm or that's right or yes or <laughs> any of those things right mm-hmm. may or may not some just in their mind some out loud but it's always very quiet when they said let's pray that meant every single person pray out loud in their language yeah. at the exact same time. Even in services. Even in so services. Hundreds in yes. this wave of prayer. Yes, yeah. it was. It's a very participatory yes. event yes. to worship God in that culture. Yes, and I thought, oh, I love it. I yeah. don't know if it would fly. I don't know if it would fly. We've <laughs> made some it of very our... spectator in yes. its nature. Yes, And for them, it's. Uh, I, I came to engage. Right. And they would walk for hours and then... Yes. Uh, one of the churches we were going to, we were parked on the road in our chicken bus for two and a half hours <laughs> yep. in the blazing sun because yes. they decided to rebuild the road. There's <laughs> one little bridge through this mountain pass. Yeah. And, you know, the driver's like, hey, when are you going to be done? I don't know when we're done. Yeah. And so you just wait. And so we're trying to communicate with the church still an hour or two away. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll, wait. we'll wait. And they yes. did. They waited for two or three extra hours just yes. waiting for us. Yes. And and then we still got going and they still engaged. And yep. for them, I mean, that's what it's all about. Right. I mean, like the first century church, they right. came together. They couldn't wait to worship, talk about God, explore his word, know him better and commune with other believers we don't see that a lot. You know, we, we yep. put in our hour punch card at church and we can't wait to get out, maybe beat the traffic in the parking lot or get to the good lunch spot before yep. the you know the crazy church crowd or, or whatever. And we have our priorities, but it's it's a fast food microwave type experience. Right. right. For them, it's it's like a I mean, if you've been to Europe or other countries that, you know, it's a seven course meal and it's right. ours, you know, it's it's an experience. That's the only thing I can kind of equate it to, right. just for a crude reference. Right. Absolutely. So the last service, like I said, we were in six villages. Three of them we worked in. Three of them we ministered in. Uh, the last place we ministered in, it was the town you just referenced that was mm-hmm. hours away, um, deep into, I think we were at, what was it, like 9,000 feet? 9,500 yeah. feet, yeah. Um, <clears throat> above sea level. And uh, this is a place where a miracle truly happened. So um, the Guatemala, years ago, Guatemala was in the midst of civil war. Mm-hmm. You had the guerrillas and the, the army, the Guatemalan army, that were at war. And in the middle of it were the Shield people. It happened in their area of uh, Guatemala. And uh, there was a man who, Tomas, who um, had an encounter with Jesus, accepted him, um, grew in his relationship uh, and th- throughout all this, they're in the midst of the civil war. He needed to get out. He needed to get because both people sides out. are persecuting Christians. Right, both sides are persecuting. There's Christians. not one pro-Christian side. They're they're both coming for you. Right. There's no refuge. <laughs> right. So um, God shows up one night and uh, gives Tomas a vision on how to get out, how to lead them out. And I, I can't even explain. There's no way to explain the mountain and valleys there. They oh, are yeah. just I. Oh, they are high and low, <laughs> high and low. And to climb out or climb up and climb down is just, well, you could see 500,000 ways you could die. In a 15-minute <laughs> drive, yes. we went from 10,000 feet back down to 4,000 feet. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you just, it's literally cliffs. Right, right. Mountaintops, deep, deep valleys. Yes. And there are a lot of dormant and active volcanoes. I mean, yes. picture these massive volcano mountain peaks. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the Pacific Ring of Fire. Right. So they're everywhere, covered with vegetation, lots of wildlife that wants to kill you. <laughs> Um, so, you had to throw that well, out there, didn't you? That's real. <laughs> it is real. Yes. You got vipers and jaguars. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes, it's true. <laughs> that's no joke, man. <laughs> he just reminded me often that we could die out there. <laughs> so um, God shows him a way out with specific landmarks. So he gathers people. He's like, come on, I know the way. God showed me. God showed me the way out. Uh, he thought he was going to have a handful of people. There were about 23 or so that initially went out with him, started following him. But by the time he started counting, when they had gone down and back up another mountain, there were how many, like 200 and 230, 250 around there, people with him that decided to believe that God was going to show him the way out. And so as he's climbing this mountain, he finds each and every landmark that God showed him. Yes. They were able to make it out of there and survive and that's really where the church in that area started. It was with Tomas and his encounter with Jesus there. Mm-hmm. And also the vision God gave him out. So you have these people who are rooted in this area, um, this particular village, rooted in God, rooted in the word of God, know Jesus personally. Um, and we were able to meet and pray over uh, the handful of people that are left um, that are still alive, I should say, yeah. that are still alive, that went over that mountain with Tomas. And oh my goodness, that was so touching. And we were able to pray over them. And then afterwards, they asked if they could pray over us. Yes. That they could love us and pray over us. And how humbling that was. Yes. Goodness gracious, I'm just a mess today. <clears throat> Keep like tearing up. And yeah. Um, but each one come, you just feel the love from them. They come and hug and they touch my face and tell me it was bonita. <laughs> bonita. Yes. Um, and then pray over us. Uh, and I thought, my goodness, we came over here to minister to them. But on our last night of ministering, they ministered to us. Yeah. They ministered to us. People who They're like had heroes a, of the faith. They, yes, they heroes did of the, the hard faith. work. Yes. That we've literally read about in books. Right. And then you meet them in person and it's like a Christian celebrity. Yes. And they're just humbly wanting to bless you. Yes. And grateful that we're there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. We also have the opportunity to commission some new pastors to yes. anoint them with oil and pray over them and commission them to the ministry. Um, that was an incredibly honoring and humbling experience mm-hmm. as well and praying that God give them wisdom and understanding and opening their eyes because a lot of them are illiterate as well. So yeah. um, Mike McComb uh, and Terry, who are their missionaries there, they have a school mm-hmm. that they are mentoring and teaching these pastors one at a time, every yes. detail of the faith. Oh my goodness, the <laughs> patience, the patience and the love that these missionaries have for the shield people is just mind blowing. Yes. Mind blowing. So they are on the ground raising up uh, pastors and evangelists and preachers. And uh, they, I had opportunity to interview, actually, it'll go up on our website soon. The um, Mike, or actually it was uh, Terry uh, McComb, about how she ended up there, which is a whole God story in itself, but how many churches they've planted. And she's like, oh, 
you know, like a hundred plus or so. I'm like, <laughs> okay. If you said five, I'd be like, wow. But you know, it's when she took some time to try to remember and then she came up with a hundred plus, I was like, oh my, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They're, they're doing the hard work. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I do know, actually, we've talked a lot about it. I was going to say, I don't know about you, but I feel very honored to have had this experience, but I know we both do. Yeah, I feel blessed to have survived. Yeah. <laughs> I do not feel called to the mission field. <laughs> I, I should have given my disclaimer at the onset of this episode. <clears throat> Some people do. And I, I have a higher respect than I ever did before. I would equip them, support them financially, train them, pray for them. But it is a whole different calling. And yes. gosh, spending a week and a half in walking in their shoes down these dust-covered roads, mm-hmm. it, it changes you again. And, you know, whether you've done it before, it's been a while, you do it all the time, it's an experience that, again, God will use to strip away yeah. all of the junk that we pile on, yeah. and then we start to believe that's Christianity. Yeah, That was really one of my big takeaways was as as we see them, it was easy to feel like, you know, the, the mature Christian Americans coming in to save these kind of ignorant back backwater people, you know, mm-hmm. that they, don't, they can't read, they don't know. Um, and then you, 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 you judge them because, you know, they're merging Catholicism and the feathered serpent religion, you know, Satan worship and Christianity, and they want to cling to all three and hedge their bets, and they don't know how to decipher, and you know, what's what, and it, in our words, keep it pure, doctrinally pure, right? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't even know what those words are. But it's easy to judge from our perspective and our high perch. But then I thought, well, let me kind of just pull back and do a 30,000 foot view and look at my life, my Christianity, American Christianity, and I'm no different. It's just, it's different things that I've chosen to merge. Yeah. So it's it's not just Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's mm-hmm. Jesus plus safety. It's mm-hmm. Jesus plus my toilet paper with aloe. It's <laughs> Jesus plus, you know, uh, you know, 401k or something for my future. It's Jesus yeah. plus college for the kids. It's Jesus plus uh, a running vehicle that has heated seats and remote start. You know, it, it's Jesus plus, plus, plus. And I want to hang on to all those things. So from their perspective, it would look like I'm merging Christianity mm. and all these other things I pursue slash worship slash depend on. Mm. It's not just Jesus. Wow. And that was so convicting that I'm doing the same thing as these, again, backwater, illiterate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> immature baby yeah. Christians that we think, oh, gosh, you, you just don't get it. Poor yeah. things, you know, bless your heart. We, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. It's just, you know, superimpose different religions, again, mm-hmm. in air quotes, different components that are vying for my attention and affection. And so that was my prayer, really, the rest of the time as I'd pray for people in English and knowing that they're going to only hear whatever God wants them to hear, Right, is that God strip away everything else that's not you. Mm-hmm. Let them just see the real you. Right. Right. And I'm starting to get choked up because <laughs> that was the prayer I kept saying for me. <laughs> yeah. Just... Show me you. Yeah, show me you. Because I, I, I look through the lens of all the other things that get in the way. Right. And <clears throat> right. I don't want that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of my takeaways is just that, one, we're here to do the hard, long work. You know, we like the quick, um, 
results. We like success. We like metrics of success. We like that metric to go up all the time. Yeah. But what we do is a long, lifelong hard work yeah. of just, in, like I use the word enduring, enduring, mm-hmm. staying to the end, not giving up, not quitting, understanding that we're messengers, we're not enforcers, that God does what he does. And also the scripture is that I'm not taking so long to fulfill my promise of coming back to to hurt you guys or, or to make a liar of myself. But instead, <laughs> I'm waiting for every single person <laughs> right. to accept us. And, and we don't understand that. In free countries, we don't understand that concept. It's like everybody knows. <laughs> it's everywhere. Everybody talks about it. It's on social media constantly. It's on TV. It's on. It's everywhere. It's on podcasts. And every on your phone, you can get it. You I know. can't escape it. Yeah, it's everywhere. i got to try and block it. And then you go to a place like that where yeah. Christianity is new yeah. and they're just learning and they don't quite have it. And God's like, I'm being patient for them. I mean, patient for them. And I just, oh, my heart, it just, um, one, it just shows the love of God, just endless love of God and his caring for each and every one of us. And for these people that will never even leave their village, will never know anybody (laughs) except for the people that Mm -hmm. they're surrounded with day in and day out. And he doesn't care who they know and who they don't know. All he cares is about them, each and every one of them and his patience and coming back and his waiting and come back is so that they have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to know the real Jesus and to accept Jesus as their one and only savior. We had an opportunity of going to a village and that was really only accessible by boat. And uh, we walked into one of these Catholic, quote-unquote, churches. (laughs) And as we're sitting in there, um, they have a saint up. I forget what her name is. Um, The whole story behind that is once the Spanish conquered a place, um, whatever the saint was for that day, that was the saint for that village. Yeah. Right? And the name of the town, usually, yeah. And the name of the town. So um, that saint takes center stage. Um, And so they're altar had the saints up there and then to the right in a box a clear box a casket was jesus yes buried off to the side off to the side dead (laughs) dead shocking shocking to me I, i just i could not wrap my brain around it obviously it's um it's not rooted in any kind of scripture or we wouldn't even call this a church <laughs> but there were two ladies there and um obviously they were begging for something their hearts were hurting and on this hard floor they were walking on their knees wailing and moaning and crying and begging for whatever it is that they were asking God for walking all the way up to the altar on their knees. And then when they got to the altar, then they start going backwards again on their knees, begging. And my heart just broke for them that there, there is a God. There is Jesus who's listening, 
who wants to meet every single one of their needs, who wants to be there with them through it all, but they're so caught in this religion of their ancestors. Mm -hmm. Bondage handed down generation after generation after generation for thousands of years to where it's part of who they are. It's not just what they believe, it's who they are. And and they need freedom. They need deliverance from this, but it takes people who are willing to see them Mm-hmm. tell their story. Oh my goodness. That's some of the things the pastors would say over and over. Don't forget us. Yes. Like tell our story, tell people, ask them to pray for us. And every time they'd say that again, I'd be like, Oh no, <laughs> these tears are going to mix with this concrete on my face, <laughs> this mix. And I'm going to have a whole concrete face here going on. Um, they'd say, don't forget us. Don't forget us pray for us, like tell our story, tell people we're here Mm -hmm. and that we are sharing Jesus and we may not know what we're doing, but we want Jesus. And so that's all we're asking you to do uh, in telling our our story and experience out there is to pray with us for these, for these shield people. And obviously all the people in Guatemala and that are um, these Mayan people groups, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't, haven't really landed on how they decipher because each one has a different language and different village and because they're one people, but they, and we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out. <laughs> for these peoples that need <laughs> Jesus, but um, pray with us for them and also help us support them. Yes. Uh, they can earn $8 in a day. We spend $8 plus on a drink Yes. a day here yeah. for them. It builds a church. If a hundred people gave up eight dollars a day, they could have these churches built, and they don't have to meet in these alleyways with tarps over them, with uh, trees cut down that are holding up these tarps, and yes. uh, kneeling on rock. And they can actually build these churches where people can come together and get to know Jesus, and and that is their desire. There is a pool in every single one of us for Jesus. And I see that in them. The desire's there. They want it. They need a place to come together. They need a safe place to come together. Yeah. And we could help them. So mobilized as a ministry is going to start supporting uh, the McCombs, Mike and Terry McComb out there and their ministry. And what they do is they disperse the funds amongst the churches to build or whatever it is that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, usually they buy supplies for them. So they're not just giving them the money, but they buy mm-hmm. all the supplies, have them delivered, which is a whole thing in itself. Let me tell you, having it delivered there. And then they, um, only one church went to had a mixer, right? <laughs> right? Yes. Had a concrete mixer. The rest, it's all by bucket and by hand. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. ask James if you ever see him to see his calluses. He has some experience. That's going to be a whole other podcast. Yay. I'm going to give you 75 minutes of the pain of concrete mixing. I was scooping rock and mixing, carrying it uphill in a wheelbarrow with a flat tire. Flat tire. Yes, flat. I, it, yes. it almost made it harder than if I just carried them by hand. It's like, okay, this this really, maybe just add some broken glass and I'll walk barefoot up the hill. Um but at the end, it was a privilege to see their joy and gratitude for what we did. And, yeah. and I earned the name Scoop Dog. So yes, Scoop Dog. I now have some Guatemalan street cred, yes, I think. Yes, yes, um, you were I don't know if it concrete. translates here in the States, but <laughs> I am a rock star, a hip-hop star, <laughs> well, at least a construction yes. star yeah. in Guatemala. I did not get a name <clears throat> one of my jobs. <laughs> in a dress, mind you, because we were honoring the shield tradition and 
They do everything in dresses. In dresses. So it's unique to their culture. Each village has a pattern yes. and colors. Yeah. And so all the ladies do all their work in <laughs> these long dresses. And the men were in like suit pants and dress shoes. <laughs> yes. and, um, button up shirts. Button up shirts doing construction. So, we, so we were honoring that. So yeah, Nicole so one and her of dress my, was busting up rock. One of my jobs was breaking rock with a hammer. <laughs> Literally breaking rocks with a hammer. <clears throat> James comes over around the corner. I'm breaking rocks, and he's like, "What is happening?" <laughs> I mean, in in like Siberia, they don't even treat you this poorly. Like this is hard labor. What did you do? I think your dress wasn't long enough, and you got you got punished. <laughs> <laughs> but the rocks were too big for the concrete <clears throat> because they just deliver rocks. And so and what do you do? You, you got to break, break them. It up. So yeah. there I was with a hammer breaking rock, <laughs> and it was an honor. And I never want to do it again, but it was an honor. It was an honor. <laughs> so, But we, again, Mobilize does support mission initiatives all around the world. <laughs> and through your generosity, through so many of you that listen and others that support the ministry, you give weekly or monthly yeah. To, yeah. to our ministry. Some of you designate to the mission initiatives. Mm-hmm. And this is one that we're adding to that. So we're going to add this to our monthly support as we continue to pray for the McCombs work, how yes. they train, equip, and support pastors, how they yes. build churches, and how they're bringing the real Jesus to a culture who yeah. desperately needs to cut through all of the garbage and see who he really is and who he's revealing himself to be. So I'd ask you just to, to be generous. Whatever it seems like God puts on your heart, if that's something that you would love to be a part of, just mobilized.life, and there's a donate button, and you can designate where you'd like to give it and how much, one time, recurring. Um, but every little bit, again, will continue to go to advance the cause of spreading Jesus uh, throughout the world and yes. specifically now to, to this group of people that we've yeah. had the privilege of meeting and impacting, and they've impacted us. Yes. So it's an incredible thing. We'll continue to, to keep them in our prayers. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We're going to continue to share more um, updates. Um, <laughs> excuse me, in the future. <laughs> Listen, Scoop Dog. <laughs> you got this, Scoop Dog. <laughs> Scoop Dog losing it. <laughs> We're going to continue to share more in the future updates of how that partnership goes. Um, But we have lots of exciting episodes coming as we continue to equip you to be um, bold in your faith and live mobilized in your faith, purpose, and life. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of what God's doing through Mobilized and through Nicole and I. And we'll catch you next time. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Mobilized YouTube page and follow us on social media at mobilized.life on Instagram and at livemobilized on Facebook. For more information and ways to connect, visit our website at mobilized.life.